Like Bob on Facebook at facebook.com slash Live. Just, uh, just a, a couple more thoughts on um, that incredibly sad and shocking story about pastors and a biblical worldview. Why is this so important? Because, again, your worldview impacts all of your thinking, your thought processes, how you interpret what happens around you. This is how you process the things in your life, the things in your family, the things with your finances, and certainly the things in our country. Your worldview impacts how you process everything. And it is imperative that we see things as God sees them. He is the creator. We are the creatures. He is the potter. We are the clay. He is the one who determines what is important and what is not important. He is the one who determines right and wrong, good and bad. He is the one who should be determining how we live our lives. He is the one who determines how we relate to our neighbor, to our family, to our wife, to our husband, to our children, to our parents. He is the one who should determine how we interpret government and how we respond to governmental leaders. That's why I get so frustrated with conservative Republicans who are also Christian who put politics above their relationship with Christ. I've seen this for years now. Every time we approach a presidential election, I see Christians act like the future is totally, completely, absolutely dependent upon the next election. Not God, not his will, not his plan, the next election. And and by the way, I believe in the importance of elections and being involved in the political process. But I also believe in priorities. And I said this, well, the last two presidential elections. If many, many, many of the Christians I know would put as much emphasis emphasis into winning people to Christ, discipling them, and supporting their local church as they did campaigning for a particular candidate, we probably could have seen revival. I saw people who would never, ever dream, never dream of going door-to-door to tell people about Jesus— more than willing to spend hundreds and hundreds of hours going door-to-door to to tell people about a particular candidate. People who would not dare share about their faith in Jesus Christ publicly, all they could talk about was their favorite political candidate and how he was going to save America. And it, it, it all comes down to world view. 
seeing things as God desires that we see them. Where do you stand on abortion? Well, it's determined by your worldview. Where do you stand on same-sex marriage? Well, that's dependent upon your worldview. How do you stand on justice and even the court system? Well, it all depends on your worldview. And that's why it is so incredibly concerning and sad that so few American pastors actually have a biblical worldview. Um, I, I commend the Southern Baptists for having the highest percentage, but they're not quite 80%, which means, according to this poll, about 22% of Southern Baptist pastors don't hold a worldview, a biblical worldview. And, boy, talk about charismatic or Pentecostal church pastors, 37%. Really? Uh, I, I could comment on that. I, I, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't. 37% of charismatic or Pentecostal. And then those who call themselves holiness, they're way down there. Mainline Protestant churches. Now, we know how liberal and left-wing and progressive the mainline Protestant churches are. They're down to 32%. But people who are holiness? How can you be holy without having a biblical worldview? 23%. And then I think the most disturbing of all, and forgive me for being repetitious in this, but it's just just incredibly sad— Traditional black Protestant churches, 9%. And bringing up the very, very bottom. Catholic priests. Catholic priests, 6%. Hold a biblical worldview. Well, I'm going to continue challenging people to develop a biblical worldview, and reject a secular humanist worldview. I don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, I don't care what your denomination is. If we don't agree with God, we're wrong. That's why we must hold the Word of God so highly. That's why we cannot compromise on the integrity, the authority, the infallibility of God's Word. That's why I've got it in my stack, but I probably won't deal with it today. Preachers like Andy Stanley, who are diminishing the importance of all of the Bible. Yeah, well, we believe the Bible, we believe it came from God, but we can't be sure that all of it's really inspired. We can't believe that, you know, that stuff about the flood? Ah, yeah, I, you know, universal flood. Well, 
God teaches us lessons by telling us stories. No, there was a flood, exactly as God said it happened in his word. And now, now why is that important? All right, let me chase a little rabbit here just for a moment. Many, many, many people who call themselves evangelicals do not take many of the supernatural, miraculous stories of the Bible as true and literal, like the creation, like the flood, and others. Why is that essential? If we say that the flood was not really literal, God gave us the story to teach us a spiritual lesson, but we can't take it literally. We learn from it because God wants us to learn lessons, but it didn't really happen the way it did. If we take that attitude, then why would we not take the same attitude towards the crucifixion and bodily resurrection of Jesus? If you can pick and choose which parts of the Bible you believe, if you can pick and choose which parts of the Bible you believe are literal, then how in the world can we be absolutely certain that Jesus rose from the grave bodily, physically on the third day, just like the Bible says? How can we do that? And the answer is, we can't. If man becomes the authority as to which parts of the Bible we believe and which parts of the Bible we just determine to be symbolic, then man becomes the authority and not God, and we take the parts of the Bible that we like, that we're comfortable with, that make us feel good, and we reject the parts of the Bible that we just don't like and make us feel bad. Can't do that. We are not the authority. God is. Oh, folks, listen. First question you ask when you're searching for a new church, do you believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God? If the answer is not yes, run. Follow Bob on Twitter at twitter.com slash Live. Ah, yes! Are you old enough to remember the wonderful... Wonderful, wonderful Jimmy Carter presidential days. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, do you remember how wonderful his presidency was? Uh, yeah. Almost, almost everyone, a Republican, Democrat, almost everyone agrees his presidency was the worst presidency in modern history. Until the uh, Biden presidency. The similarities between the Carter years and the Biden years are uh, uncanny and a little bit frightening. 
Listen to this headline from CNBC. This is not a conservative source. The mortgage rate races toward 8% after hitting a high not seen since late 2000. The average rate on the popular 30-year fixed mortgage rose to 7.72%, headed towards 8%. Yeah, hasn't been that high in um, many, many years. Now, the Carter years were much worse. Uh, Quick, quick story. Um. My wife and I had the privilege of founding a church way back in 1976 uh, here in Ohio, and uh, the church really began to grow. We were in a rented facility for quite some time, and then we needed to build a new building. We bought a piece of property, and uh, we had quite a bit of money in the bank, but we needed to float a loan to build the building. And it's a long, incredible story, in fact, a miraculous story. Um, I walked out of a private savings and loan. Now, that was back in the days when there were family-owned savings and loans. We don't have those anymore. But my wife and I walked into a family-owned savings and loan back in 1979 or 80. And about 30 minutes later, I walked out with a check for $260,000. Now, again, that was seventy nine eighty. Who knows what that would be today in today's economy? Way, way over a million dollars. I walked out of that savings and loan with a check on my signature. <clears throat> We were a young couple. I didn't have any credit, but we were anyway. It was just it was just a miraculous thing. But the point of the story: the gentleman who his family owned the bank, he was the president, basically the owner, uh, filled out the application and so forth. And he said, um, "Now, would an interest rate of fourteen percent be okay?" All right now, today we would go fourteen percent. Are you kidding me? But standard rates on commercial loans back then were 21 and 22%. Yeah. So believe it or not, when he said 14%, I said, yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, commercial loans were 20 to 22%. And I thought we were getting a great deal at 14%. Well, that was the economy that... Uh, Jimmy Carter gave us. Well, I don't know that we will get that high. I certainly hope not. But my goodness, I remember just not long ago at all, well, before Joe Biden, uh, interest rates had gone down to two and a half, two and three quarter, three percent. Yes, this is Bidenomics. And then there's this Kaiser Healthcare. Yeah, Kaiser Healthcare, the nation's largest not pardon me, the nation's largest not-for-profit health provider, 75,000 employees have walked off the job. The largest health care worker strike 
in U.S. history. Healthcare workers, we're talking nurses and others. California, Colorado, Washington, Virginia, Oregon, and Washington, D.C. They're represented by a coalition of eight unions that comprise 40% of the Kaiser total staff. Uh, Fortunately, it is going to be a short-term strike. Uh, They're going to come back to work this coming Saturday. Add that to the auto workers' strike, which, if it continues, is going to cripple the auto industry and impact every single one of us. And now we've got the nation's largest not-for-profit health providers. I thought Joe Biden's Bidenomics was going to raise the salary for everybody. Yeah, well, it's not... uh, is not working out that way. The largest healthcare worker strike in US history. And of course, it all goes back to the economy that has been brought to us by the Biden administration. Now, I personally don't think Joe Biden will be the nominee for the Democrats. I just I am adamant I would be incredibly shocked if Joe Biden is the nominee. But no matter who the Democrat nominee is, who in their right mind would vote for a political party that has brought to us the economy that we are all experiencing? Hmm. Stranger things have happened. And they could again. All right, we're going to take a quick break. The Don Crow Show and Bob Bernie Live will continue. 